this time invite you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16. And uh, we're going to be looking at uh, a passage from there in just a few minutes. The past few weeks, if you've been with us, you know we've been exploring the uh, idea of God's provision in our lives and how he provides for us, uh, that he's our provider, right? that God provides everything that you need. Whatever you need, God's providing for it. Uh, he gives it to you. We're even exploring the story of manna, right? This miracle food that God has provided for his people. Um, that manna, and if we've looked at a few principles about manna, right? It's one, it's not usually what you expect. It may not be what you expect. You may think that God's provision is going to look one way in your life. You're expecting him to show up in a certain way, and he shows up in a way that looks very different, and that that's okay. It's exactly what you need, and that if you have a genuine need, we said what? That God has manna for that. Whatever you have a need of, right, he's got manna for that. Uh, and it's not dependent on how good you are at getting it, right? Whether you gather a little or a lot, it's always enough, right? Manna is new every day, so old manna is gross. It rots. It gets nasty. So every day we look for God uh, to have new manna for us, which means we need to go for him every day. And sometimes we can actually find ourselves complaining and whining about the provision of God. Say, God, you, you provided all this stuff for me, and I'm tired of it. Um, I'm complaining about it. I don't want it, um, and we despise it. And God is so good that he gives us manna anyway, right? That's what we've been looking. So today we're going to explore another principle of manna, and this one is perhaps the most impactful for me personally. I feel like this one is really very, very practical, if that makes sense. Um, in the beginning of the year, I don't know if you remember this, I told you, I shared that God put it on my heart to start writing. And uh, I, I like just writing like once a week, and I was going to write down just some thoughts about life, and I called it a walk around the lake. It's like a little blog kind of thing that I write. And uh, it's just I share some reflections on what's going on in our world, and it's, it's meant to be encouraging. And for the first few weeks, it was going good. Um, but then I, I got to this point um, where I hit the wall. I don't know if any of you are writers or any, but like I, I think you know maybe it was writer's block or something. But I sat in my office and I couldn't think of anything to write, and I'm just staring at a computer screen, and I'm like, so I did what I'm supposed. I was like, I know, I gotta go walk around a lake, so I did a lap around the lake and I came back. Nothing. So I did another lap, <laughs> and still nothing. My question is, have you ever felt like? You needed to do something, but you didn't have the juice for it. You're like, I got to do this, but I just am tired. I feel like there's work here, right? Uh, maybe, maybe there's a decision you know that you need to make, and it's like in front of you, but you don't know what to do. You're like, I don't have the wisdom I need to make this decision. And you're just like wrestling in that moment. Or maybe there's some work that you need to do, but you are tired. Or maybe there's a conversation that you know needs to happen, but... You don't know how to approach it, and you're just like, I, I don't have the, the understanding, I don't have the insight here about how to get into this, right? It's stressful when you feel like you don't have what the moment demands of you. If you've ever had this experience where you come to a moment and you go, I don't think I have what it takes, and we can talk to her blue in the face about how there's manna for that. Well, pastor said there's manna for that, and there's manna for that, and I'm supposed to have wisdom for that, but you come to that day and you go, listen, I don't know what to tell you, but today it feels like... There isn't, and it's frustrating, and it's discouraging, and, and you start having this dialogue in your head like, God, where are you? You said there was going to be manna for this. 
Like, where's the manna you promised? What am I missing? Am I doing this wrong? Maybe I'm doing this wrong. Maybe, maybe I don't have all the equation right. Is there something wrong in me? Because I've got something that I feel like I have to do, but I don't feel equipped or able to do it today. Are you doing it wrong? And I want to assure you there is nothing wrong with you, at least not when it comes to manna. Uh, the rest of it, I don't know. No, we're not talking, that's a different day. But here's what I know. Here's, here's what I do know. There are actually days where there's no manna. There are days where there's no manna. There are days when there is literally nothing on the ground for you. You're trying to do something and you don't have the strength or understanding you need to do it. It's like going to the ATM, right? And it's just insufficient funds. Like, nope, can't take anything out, right? Or, you, or your gas, like, like your, your lawnmower is out of gas, right? You can pull the cord as many times as you want. Or if you got fancy and you get a push button start or turn the key, whatever. But it's not starting. No gas. Like you could do over and over again. It's not going to fire up. And it can create this tension in us, like angst. And here's where it gets weird, right? No manna is actually a good thing. It's like a really, really good thing. It's like a fantastic thing. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. So we're going to discover today why. Why is no manna? Why in those moments when we feel like I don't have what it takes for today, why is that a good thing? And God actually told Moses and the people of Israel this was going to happen. He, he warned them this is going to happen. Let's read it. Exodus chapter 16 verse 4, it says this. The Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. And each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they follow my instructions. And on the sixth day, they will gather food, and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. Now remember, this is interesting. They were told to gather two quarts per person, which is plenty, right? And whether they gather a little or a lot, they always had enough. And if they had extra, they weren't supposed to keep it overnight because it would get nasty, right? Don't, don't, you only need two quarts. Don't take extra. Now he says, but on this sixth day, there's going to be extra. There's going to be extra, and we're going to read why. So let's skip down to verse 22, and it tells us exactly what it says. This. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much as usual, four quarts for each person instead of two. Then all the leaders of the community came and asked Moses for an explanation. They were like, Moses, what's going on? Why are we doing this? And he told them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So bake, here goes, next one. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. So they're supposed to gather extra every sixth day and not gather anything on the seventh day. Now, Listen, if you were them and you had seen what happened to manna that was left out overnight, would you be a little hesitant to be like, uh, do I want a bucket full of maggots in the morning? Like, that's what you're telling me? You're telling me to do this? And God's like, hey, tell people it's going to be okay. Trust me. Save the extra I give you. Don't go out on the seventh day, right? Don't. It's going to be okay. And the people, I could imagine I'd be like, like waking up in the morning being like, you look in the bucket, you look in the bucket. I don't want to look in the bucket, right? I, it, you, all right, 
So let's see what happens, right? Verse 24, it says, So they put some aside until morning, just as Moses commanded. And in the morning, the leftover food was wholesome and good. No maggots, <laughs> no odor, right? It's amazing. Moses said, eat this food today. For today is a Sabbath day dedicated to the Lord. There will be no food on the ground today. You may gather the food for six days, but the seventh day is the Sabbath. Again, there will be no food on the ground that day. It's amazing, right? It proves manna isn't just some naturally occurring food because it changes behavior depending on the day. This wasn't just a natural thing. This was God. It, God's design. If he wants it to rot, it's going to. If he wants it to keep, it's going to. God decides how this works. Now, this is really important. Moses says there's going to be no food. Two times. There's going to be no food, no manna on the ground on the seventh day. On the seventh day, the only thing you need to do is eat. All you need to do is eat. No work. Just rest. Don't go looking for it. Just gather extra on the sixth day. There's no manna on the seventh day. So what do you think the people did? Based on what we know of Israel's history, what did they do? Verse 27. Some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day, and they found no food. <laughs> Goodness. This is what I love about the Bible, right? It doesn't like sugarcoat uh, people's behavior. It doesn't glamorize the story. It doesn't make everybody perfect and holy. Uh, it's full of knuckleheads, absolutely full of knuckleheads, absolutely thick-headed people who don't listen, which should give us a lot of comfort because God is used to dealing with knuckleheads, um, and that's pretty much all that lives in New Jersey. Um, God can't help but shake his head. Verse 28, he's like, how long, how long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? Like, they must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. That is why he gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day, so there will be enough for two days. On the Sabbath day, you must each stay in your place. Do not go out to pick up food on the seventh day. So the people said, okay, right? They did not gather any food on the seventh day. And here's where we're going to park it. God says very simply, the Sabbath is a gift to you. No manna is a gift to you. As strange as it sounds, a day without manna is a gift. Think about that. A day without manna is a gift. It's not punishment. It's not hardship. He's not making it more difficult. It's a gift. Why is no manna a gift? Why is no manna a gift? Now let me just pause. The people of Israel, right, they're walking through the desert, through the wilderness to the promised land, how have they just spent the last 400 years? What were they? They were slaves in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. And you know what slaves don't get? They don't get a day off. They work nonstop all year long, no vacation days, no holidays. You know, they don't get off for Easter and Christmas. There was no rest in Egypt, no Sabbath. For generations, they had been told that their worth was based on how much they could produce, that they were only as valuable as what they could accomplish. Inevitably, that means more is better. The more you work, the harder you work, the more valuable you are. Sound familiar? 
Anybody sound familiar? I mean, your success and your worth is directly connected to how much you can produce. And Pharaoh said, there's no rest for you. You remember what God instructed Moses to demand from Pharaoh? What was the actual phrasing? What did he tell Moses? This is what you're supposed to say to Pharaoh. Do you remember? Four words. Let my people go. Think about that. Let my people go. God was not simply freeing people from an oppressive king, but from an oppressive culture. God was freeing them from the restlessness of Egypt. He's inviting them to discover a totally different kind of life. No longer do you have to go, go, go and work, work, work. No longer is rest just a luxury for the powerful few. He's saying rest is for everybody. Rest isn't just for those who've earned it. Rest is for everybody. Even if you're day one on the job, you get rest. Like Oprah, you get rest, and you get rest, and you get rest, and you get rest. Rest was not just for their bodies, but it was for their souls. See, God was teaching the people, you are more than what you do. You're a human being. This was, God was, a, was di- like directing this straight for their minds. Who you are is more important than what you can accomplish. See, rest was a gift. It wasn't a gift just physically, which is still nice. We like the I'll take a rest just physically. I could take a nap. It's great, right? But we know that you can be physically rested and mentally exhausted. And God is saying, I want to speak to your soul. I'm going to tell you, it's not on you to go, go, go and produce, produce, produce. It's not on you to make it all happen. What happens to people who have never rested when they're told to rest? 400 years of go, 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 go. That culture handed down and God says, hey, rest. What happens to people who hear that? You know what they do? They go looking for more man on the seventh day because they don't know how not to. It's conditioned not to. It's hard to do. It's hard to do. In 2017, I spent the entire year working on a graduate degree while we had kids and married and church and life and all this kind of stuff. And every class, it'd be eight weeks, and the day the class would end, the next class would start the next day. I did it for a calendar year. It was like so I'd, I'd work all day, do all this, and about like 11 o'clock at night, I'd open up the computer and start schoolwork and go to like 2 or 3 in the morning. It was like crazy, just, just nuts. It was insane. I did it for a year, even the summers, no break. And when it ended, I finished it, and when it ended, it took me months to slow down up here. I, would, I couldn't sit still. I remember being like, I got to do something. I feel like I'm losing ground. I feel like if I'm not doing something, I'm not making progress. I'm losing out. I'm, something somewhere is supposed to be getting done, and I'm not doing it. I could not physically rest. It took me months to slow down. Imagine that for years and years, and God says, hey, I want you to rest. And they're like, I don't know how to rest. I don't know how to sit still, right? Can't do it. Can't do it. You know that feeling. You know the feeling. It's totally understandable. Totally understandable, but it's not acceptable. It's a waste of time. There's nothing on the ground, God says. Not only did they not find anything on the ground, but it cost them the rest that God wanted to give them. So instead of receiving rest, they're now just wasting more energy out there looking. Rather than enjoying rest, they're feeling fearful and frustrated. Why can't I find any food today? Why can't I make any progress out there today? And they're out there working harder and looking farther and searching and searching, and there's nothing there. 
Let's make this really, really practical for us. Each day, God gives you exactly what you need to accomplish what is in front of you. But there are some days when there is no manna for that. There are days when there's no manna for that. Not because God has failed or forgotten, but because God says, I'm giving you a gift. I'm giving you rest. And God says, hey, be still. You have enough to get through today. You have enough to just eat. No more work. And there are days I feel pressure to get stuff done. And God says, there's no manna for that today. Anybody else, you just feel like, I have to get this done today, and you're struggling, and you just can't seem to make progress. God says, there's no manna for that today. And here's the thing. I can still go out and try and gather it. I can still spend time working. I can go looking. I can work. I can push. I can grind. I can show up and try and force it to happen. And guess what? There's still no manna for that. You'll be working in your own power and you'll be accomplishing nothing life-giving. You will not be making progress. Not only will your effort be in vain, but it will cost you the gift of rest God wants to give you. There are some days when there's no manna for that. And we are so stubborn that we say, I can't afford to take a day off. Listen, you can go look. You're welcome to go look. And God's up there going, when are you going to learn? It's a gift to you. So, so what? So what? What do we do with this? I'd like to suggest a simple yet very critical question that you can ask God every day. Here's the question. You ready? The question is, is there manna for this today? Would you ask yourself that question? As you step into your day, think about this. As you step into your day, if you have a, a, a to-do list, what's on your to-do list today? Think about it. You've got a whole list, number of things. Ask God, Lord, is there manna for this today? Lord, I feel the pressure to get as much done today as I can. Guard me from the temptation to just put my head down and go. Show me what you have for me today. Is there manna for this today? And if there's manna, here's the deal. If there's manna, you better go gather it. And if there's not manna, you rest. Because it's God's gift to you. Because there's no manna for that today. In the days after my father died, the weight of all that our family and my mom had to get done, all the paperwork and all the, just the decisions that needed to be made, it was, it was overwhelming. It was so much. I remember having conversations with my mom and we'd just be talking and I don't know how am I going to make all these decisions and we would just sit there and I think God gave us the seed of this wisdom and he would just, mom, that's not a today decision. We don't, there's, there's no manna for that today. We'll have to do it eventually. And when that comes, we'll make that decision, but what do we need to do today? Let's just break it down. God has sufficient manna for us today. Some days it's there, and some days what we got yesterday is enough for today. But there's nothing new here, and it's just time to rest. God says, I got you today. 
but don't go looking. One qualifier, this is not a license to be lazy. Kids, if your parents ask you to do the dishes or clean your room, you're not allowed to say there's no manna for that. your co-worker asked you to help them and you just don't want to, you can't just say, ah, sorry, no manna for that. I got nothing for you, you know. See, actually, if anything, this principle of rest raises the bar because that means if manna is there, you better go get it and you better be working. God, has, God does not give manna flippantly or arbitrarily. If he gives it, he gives it for a purpose. He says, you go get it and that's, that's your provision for today. To live mindful of what there's manna for simply means we're constantly tuned into God's voice. And here's, here's where it comes home, really. We live in a world that is just like Egypt. We're trained to believe the lie that we can't afford to rest. There's no room for that. That you have to keep grinding and you keep pushing and you've got to work and you burn the candle at both ends and you just, that the people at the top hustling. They're working all the time. There's no room for rest when you're dead. And the trick of the enemy is to get us to reject the gift of God's rest because it wears us out and it makes us ineffective. It's not just that it keeps rest from us, but that it, it does damage to the image of God in us, to our souls, to our being. The world sells us the value and the rewards of the grind that if you work really hard, if you don't stop, that someday it'll pay off and it's a lie. God says, I would, you are never designed to work that way. It doesn't mean we don't work hard. God expects excellence. It's just that obedience is more important. Rest is not a luxury. It's a command. And it's not to crush us but because God knows how good it is for us. We don't work. This is really important. We don't work so that we can rest, but we rest so that we can work. Hear that again. We don't, we don't work so that we get to rest, but we rest so that we can work. It's a huge, huge difference. Rest makes us able to be the blessings that God has created us to be. It doesn't just give us a break. It brings out the best in us. You want to be all that God created you to be? When there's no manna on the ground, you sit down and eat. You stop working. That day two manna, oh, let me tell you, day two manna, it's replenishing. It's, it restores your body and your soul. God confronts the powers of this world, and he demands, let my people go. God is speaking it over you today. If you feel trapped in that hamster wheel, you feel like you are just running and running and running. God speaks to the enemy, to the systems and powers of this world over you and says, let my people go. Release you from that burden, from the grind, that weariness. You are free from slavery, from the oppressive systems of the world that have no room to rest. You are free to rest in him. He's got you covered. I'm telling you, some days, there's no manna for that. And that's a really, really good thing. It's a really, really good thing. Would you bow your heads? We're gonna, I'm going to pray for you right now. And then we're going to sing a song. But would you just close your eyes right where you are? 
I'm sure that there are some in this room that are feeling the weight of no rest. You feel like your, perhaps your job or your life situation or circumstances are dictating to you that you can't rest. And there's something in your mind saying, I can't. The consequences, I'd lose my job or I'd lose this or I'd, I'd lose too much ground. I'd lose too much progress. And can I just tell you, God says it's a lie. You can go out on that seventh day. But there's no manna for that. That true progress is actually just trusting God for everything. Progress is not you working as hard as you can to get as far as you can, but it's trusting in God to provide everything you need. That's progress. And he says every seventh day, I got you. Lord, I just pray. Lord, you know how this world seeks to enslave us mentally, emotionally, physically. Lord, so many different ways it tries to trap us into doubting your promise to us. And if you're here today, and if you're hearing this, and you say, I've bought into that lie, not sure how to fix it, but I know I believe that lie. Right now, between you and God, would you just in your heart say, God, forgive me. I don't feel free to receive the rest that you want to give me. And I know that's just the enemy. It's right where you are, between you and God. Would you just speak to him now and say, God, that's me. God, that's me. And if you're in here and you need rest today, it's a brand new day. Today is a brand new day. And God says, hey, no matter what's happened in the past in your life, no matter how you got here, today is a brand new day. And he has rest for you. If you need rest, you just want to raise your hand and say, God, I need rest. Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. I need rest. Just lift your hand. God, would you look around? God, would you see our hands? Lord, we, we receive. Just again, lift your hands just away saying, God, I receive it from you. God, I receive rest from you today. Lord, forgive us for trying to do it in our own strength. Teach us to trust you. And on those days where we sense there's no manna, may we have the faith to trust you. Be still. Know that what you gave us yesterday is sufficient for today. And when tomorrow comes, manna will once again be there. Help us to learn to live in this kind of sincere, faith-filled relationship with you. Not just lip service, but truly, truly trusting you to give us manna when we need it. And Lord, to refuse to force it when it's not there depend fully on you. You are so good. We welcome you to give us your rest today. In your good name we